It's a feature, not a bug. Today is Monday, February 13th, 2023. Time for episode 187 of the Barnhart Podcast. And did you see the balloon? Such racism by the Chinese interrupting Black History Month with their white balloons. The Chinese, yeah, right. <laughs> That's Washington, D.C., 110%, that whole thing. I just posted that. Did you see what I just posted? There's a, it's all outlined. It was a, there was a big story in The Guardian in August of 2019 outlining exactly these balloons that the that the Washington DC re regime was aggressively pursuing these things and they are they are for surveillance they can track um they can track individual vehicles they can track individual movement um they've got super high def and i don't know if it's if, if it's also heat cameras as well on them but they're they're for domestic surveillance it's the washington d it's the washington dc regime preparing for um the abolition of basically movement of automobiles and um and like environmental so-called climate lockdowns they've they've made it very clear the the klaus schwab the world economic economic forum the new world order they made it very clear that one of their top priorities is getting people so that they do not have liberty of movement and so these balloons um Washington DC has been deploying these things and using these things. Why do you, why do you think they didn't shoot the first one down until it, it had traversed the entire continent and was out over the out over the Atlantic? Because they were still running their they were still running their experiment. They weren't done with it yet. They they wanted it to traverse the entire continent. And they're they're fine-tuning them the way they work is how they control. You say, "Well, how how in the world would you control um the position of a balloon it's just at the whim of the jet stream and air currents and so forth well oh, not at can, all i'll bet you anything you, we've got a ballooner listening and it's just a matter of, of by changing your altitude you can catch different wind, wind exactly. currents you can almost fly the darn thing like an like an airplane from point a to b that's right if you want to go in whatever direction then you go to whatever altitude and you catch whatever um prevailing current that is in the direction that you want to go. If you want to hold completely still, you go to altitude, you know, you go to 80,000 feet. If you want to hold still, if you want to go east, you go to 100,000 feet. I mean, they're, they're just basically learning how to steer these things. And they're going to be omnipresent. They're going to be everywhere. And they just false flagged it onto the Chinese. Um, just exactly the same way that they false flagged the the Nord Stream 2. They, it's, everybody now knows, it is acknowledged as fact that the United States blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is an act of war against both Russia and Germany, um, because that thing supplied natural gas to Germany. So it's an act of war against two sovereign nations. Everybody knows that that the Americans blaming it on Putin was false flagging. Everybody knew it from the beginning. And it's the same thing with these damn balloons. They're balloons. They're false flagging it on China. And then the other point that I made is they're doing this thing now where they'll call a press conference and they'll say, we, we are not 
we are neither confirming nor denying that this has anything to do with um, extraterrestrials and unidentified flying objects. And the reason they're doing this is it's a, it's a deflection. For the first time, there are Americans are now sufficiently stupid as a group that they can get away with this. They can get away with talking about space aliens and UFOs. And people are stupid enough and contraeducated enough and just so so blinded by by their own personal sin. I mean, this is something that we've talked about at length with regards to why, why don't these people see that, that these injections are clearly unsafe? Why did everybody line up to get these things? Spiritual blindness. Sin makes you stupid, and Americans are sufficiently sinful and stupid collectively that now the government can start blaming things on literally space aliens, little green men, and the populace will fall for it hook, line, and sinker. There's no such thing as space aliens. We are alone in the universe. If you know anything about, you know, microcellular biology, um, you know, just anything about the deep processes of life, which we still only understand a tiny fraction about, one thing that becomes very clear very fast is that there is absolutely no possible way that these things arise spontaneously. Um, and also, if you are Catholic and you hold the one true faith, you declare in the creed Every time it is recited uh, that that the second person of the triune Godhead incarnated as a human man suffered, died, was buried, rose again, ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father. That does not permit for there to be other rational intellects who are elsewhere and completely, totally disqualified and unable to have to be uh, to be redeemed in this way. If you just stop and think about it, it doesn't it doesn't make any logical sense. Because, again, going back to a scientific principle, if you know anything about how big the universe is, the speed of light, um, you know, the requirement that the amount of time it would require to go even to the the very very closest star in the closest star to to our sun would require so much time that it's it's basically it's just functionally impossible it's functionally impossible even if there were living beings the whole thing is completely functionally impossible and then circling back to the stupidity of bubis americanus all right, let, let's say you do, you do have the little green men who don't exist, who have superluminal speed capacity. They have traversed across, across the galaxy to roll into our place, and they start, they start flying around in balloons. You, you have to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. There are a large number of Americans, including Americans who would test and demonstrate a high IQ, but are so dumb and spiritually blinded by their own sin that they can't even think this through, and they will absolutely jump on this bandwagon. Yes, absolutely. Little green men 
flew across the universe, taking, taking decades, if not centuries, to make one leg of this trip. They get here, and they're flying around in balloons. You betcha. I mean, that, that's where we are. It's, it's clown world, well and truly. And um, <laughs> we just keep going, and, and we are spectators. And um, the, our Lord's admonition about perseverance and the fact that the, the fruit of the fifth sorrowful mystery is, in fact, persever perseverance is all becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. We're going to need more and more grace to just persevere through the through the abject stupidity of all of this. Well, maybe they came from their side of the galaxy over here to get a shot at redemption. Maybe they want to take a priest back with them, and they showed up with a balloon to not scare us. And by the way, that balloon went right over your old stomping grounds of Leavenworth, where they could see the Masonic Temple where you were initiated as a secret Indeed. agent. I'm sure you got that email, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. They went over Fort Leavenworth, of course, of course. Um, the little Pentagon. They, they wanted to cheat on the officer candidates to see what they were writing on their tests to try and get, to get, try and get promoted to lieutenant colonel. That's right. They're looking at all those guys in the command and general staff college and, you know, seeing just exactly how stupid those guys are. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know if you wanted to comment on that, that accusation that somebody was proud to, to recognize that and is a Masonic agent. Oh yes, I'm. I something floated, wafted over my transom, and I don't know. Some kook is is saying that you know Anne Barnhart freely admits that she was a member of Masonic organization, and I, I therefore think that she is clearly a Masonic agent and never forsook all of that. I was in Job's daughters for six months when I was thirteen years old, and I called BS on it at the age of thirteen and quit and never look back. And then of course, once I entered the church and realized what was going on, I, um, um, well, I, I was baptized when I entered the church, but um, you know, make a general confession and you say, oh, I, I probably need to mention that, even though I didn't understand at the time when I was 13, what, what the deal was. Um, I just thought it was kind of a weird Protestant general social philanthropic organization, but, and then you find out that it's, <laughs> it was, it was, I mention this because obviously most of the people listening to this podcast are Catholic, and so they're probably not going to approach any Masonic organization or have any of their children or grandchildren. But if you're ever, you know, overhearing in a conversation that, you know, your Protestant neighbor's uh, granddaughter is looking at entering into Job's daughters or anything like that, you, you need to pipe up and say, absolutely not. Even when I did, when I was in Job's daughters, which would, what would have this been? I was 13. So it would have been like 1989, 1989. Even then it was, um, it was obvious what was going on is that they were, it was, it was a weird sexual grooming thing that they were trying to get the older teenage girls, like the high school age girls, to be sleeping with the boys who were in, and by sleeping I mean fornicating, with the boys who were in Demolay. And Demolay is the, is the male, the young men's um, Masonic organization. And they would throw these dances and you know all the Demolay boys would come, and then all the Job's daughters girls would come, and it was there were bad things going on, and it was 
it was not good. Of course, wildly liberal, sexually libertine with the adults very weirdly like facilitating and almost encouraging it, encouraging, you know, terribly immodest talk and and of course, you know, back at back in 89, it was all about, you know, the safe, the safe sex, because the, the sodomites with the AIDS was just, you know, constantly being was on the news all the time. And of course, everyone's going to get AIDS. Um, thanks, Anthony Fauci, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was constant talk about, about fornication, contraception, and then throwing these dances where it was, it was just, expected slashed encouraged for for these young kids to be to be fornicating with each other and they were and it was gross and i got the hell out of there and then i look back in retrospect when you learn about the church oh and the other thing was we um we were standing around talking one time and the girl that recruited me in she had mentioned um while her mother was standing there and her mother was was the quote unquote bethel guardian which was kind of, you know, the adult head poobah of that, that group, that chapter. And she, we were standing there and the girl said, we, we should ask Tiffany, uh, I'll make up a last name, Tiffany Washington, uh, who was a, a girl that we were in high school with, we should ask Tiffany Washington to join. Well, Tiffany Washington was a black girl and, um, the this girl's mother who was the bethel guardian immediately said oh no absolutely not no blacks no catholics and no blacks and i said really why 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 is that no no blacks the no catholics i figured it had to be it had to do with some you know protestant versus catholic doctrinal thing and that that really didn't phase me that didn't throw up my my spidey sense what threw up my spidey sense was they said no blacks this is 1989 and we're we're getting pounded already on the you know racial equality da 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 and to hear and to hear this adult stand there and just say absolutely not no blacks and i said why i said that's the policy there's no blacks oh okay and i was gone very 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 shortly thereafter i just stopped I just stopped going. So, yeah. And every time you make a every time I make a general confession, that's one of the things that's brought up. Even though I I wasn't I had no understanding or knowledge of what it is that I was getting involved with. It, it's just it's a massive relief and it's a mercy of of Holy Mother Church and the sacrament of confession that you can say, look, I I do want to say ex post facto uh, 30, what, what would it be now? 33 years later, I'm sorry about this. I didn't know what I was doing, but I am sorry that I ever had anything to do with this. But it, it, back to your original question, super nerd, it's, it just, it's a testimony to how just truly horrible the internet is and how people behave so, so spectacularly terribly on the internet. And, you know, can you imagine accusing someone of being a secret infiltrator spy agent for some for something that they did when they were 13 years old when they were a child um and well Anne barnhart is clearly a, a freemasonic agent and an infiltrator i mean 
you just you shake your head but the people on the internet they get they get sucked into these things and it's this just this vortex of of bizarre conspiracism that absolutely everyone you encounter is has got to be a CIA agent has got to be you know a crypto Jew has got to be a Freemasonic infiltrator okay if you have hard evidence of these things that's one thing for example uh the guy the guy John Salsa S-A-L-Z-A who um keeps trying and and failing horrifically to uh debunk the the canonical argument that Pope Benedict never resigned Okay, it's an objective fact that dude was was a highly active thirty second degree Freemason. He he was, but it well into his adult life, and then he quits, and then he trads on a dime, and then he's in the SSPX for years and years and years, and he's the SSPX is his book publisher. Then all of a sudden he he turns on a dime and he's attacking the SSPX, even though they're his book publisher to this day. And you, you, okay, you look at that, and we've we've got some data points here that that kind of line up and and throw send a red flag up up the flagpole. Saying somebody did something like me being in Job's daughters for six months when I was thirteen years old, not really a solid data point that I am a that I'm a complete liar, that my life is a fraud, everything I write on my blog, every video I've made, everything I say on the podcast here, it's all a calculated lie, according to this theory. It's all a calculated lie. I wake up in the morning with just abject deceit on my mind all day, every day. How can I, how can I lie to the world today? because I was in Job's Daughters for six months when I was 13. You gotta have a little bit of discernment, you know? And um, unfortunately, the, the, the internet and social media just brings out the absolute worst in people. They, they say things hiding behind, a lot of the time, hiding behind um, anonymity that they would never, ever, ever in a million years say to anybody's face. And that's that's very problematic and it's why it's one of the main reasons that i've been railing against social media now for how many years i mean a very a very long time certainly the entire duration of of super nerd and i doing these podcasts which we started in i believe the summer of 2017 and i think i was writing about it you know before on on the blog that see seeing people just being hopelessly addicted to facebook and living their lives on Facebook and, and everything, everything resolves around whether or not, you know, someone gave a, a thumbs up on some selfie photograph of you that you put on Facebook and just living and dying by this. And it's, it's no good. It's no good at all. Okay, so I think that more or less answers the question. <laughs> what was the original question? Oh, oh it, I remember it was just the, the allegation the that you were some people. kind of yeah, a yeah. secret spy for the, yeah. for the Masons. Yeah. It's when, when everybody's a spy, no one's a spy. And it's, it's just there's absolutely no capacity for discernment anymore, it seems to me. You've got, you've got general, uh, genuine, honest to goodness, the largest conspiracies in the history of humanity are happening. 
you know, five billion people have been injected with with a poisonous sterilant. Um, excess deaths are through the roof. Germany's excess deaths are running forty percent over the the pre-corona five-year average. Um, Denmark is forty percent above. The rest of the rest of Western Europe is is hovering in the 20 to 25 percent above um, the five-year average in excess deaths. St uh, stillbirths through the roof, miscarriages through the roof, um, just birth rates in general, live births. Again, reductions that are that are nine uh, in the ninth standard deviation i think germany germany is right now reduction in live births in the ninth standard deviation nobody's talking about that but you know there's the the space aliens are flying around in balloons we got that and anne is clearly a freemasonic infiltrator because of something i did for a few months when I was 13 years old and you just, oh, okay. All right. I guess there's just no power of discernment left in this world. Well, it's, I guess that's what you need and what Lucifer needs in order for all of this to continue apace and to unfold because I mean, the levels of stupidity that are required for this stuff to persist is unprecedented on a mass scale. And this reminds me, and I should repost this or put it in the show notes. I have a, I have an essay that I wrote several, several years ago. Um, well, I guess, I guess I wrote it right at the very beginning of the Corona scam. And it's about this horrific mass suicide that, um, a, a tribe or a culture in, in the Southern part of Africa, uh, engaged in. They systematically slaughtered all of their own livestock. They killed all of their own livestock completely voluntarily because two girls came back in from working in the field one day and claimed that they had had a vision of somebody's dead uncle who told them to do this. And if they would do this, then that would hasten the return of you know, the great spirit that they worshipped or whatever. And all the people instantly got together and said, okay, yeah, if we, if, if, if this will cause the great spirit to return and save us and liberate us, then yeah, we're just going to go ahead and we're going to kill all of our livestock, which was, it was suicide. It was, it was civilizational suicide because they, I mean, they were, you know, cattle raising was the entire basis of their entire economy and their entire culture. And they did it. They, they, it was just an absolute bloodbath. They would just, they were slaughtering just tens of thousands of head of cattle per day until they, they killed everything. And um, only a few people, a few people ran away and survived, but the rest of them, the rest of them, the, the culture largely committed suicide. I mean, it was kind of, you know, it, it was a precursor to a Jonestown situation. And we're, we're very much in a Jonestown situation, too, now. Well, although Jones didn't t say that everyone had to drink the Kool-Aid for it to work. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the Kool-Aid will, will only work if everybody takes the Kool-Aid. Yeah. It was just, 
No, and he was much more honest about it because I think the people knew that the that the Kool Aid was poison when when they drank it. I mean, they they fully understood this. They understood that they were committing mass suicide, whereas this is more just the the categorical inability to discern what is obviously going on right in front of you. Here, we, we took, uh, we took a, a grand total of six weeks to, de to develop a quote-unquote vaccine that is based on a technology that has done nothing but fail and killed everything in, in animal trials up until now. Um, and we've done this and we have it done within six weeks. Oh, by the way, curing, curing the common cold, which has also been scientifically impossible up until now, largely because coronaviridae and other cold and flu viruses naturally mutate so fast that you could never possibly get out ahead of it with any sort of a vaccine. Not that this is a vaccine. Wasn't that always the benchmark for the impossible medical goal to cure yeah. the common cold? Yep. Dang cure it. If only we had a cold. nurse on the line with us to uh, ah, discuss this topic. What a segue. Well, well and, and, that, idea. And, and of course, not so I'm not tying these next two points together, but uh, we are we still going to talk about the FBI versus the trads and FBI's uh, agents investigate or not investigating, but um, infiltrating uh, traditional parishes? Well, sure, we have to mention that, don't we? It's kind of obligatory. Now that I'm, I'm sure been... they're checking vax cards. That's all they're doing. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> oh dear, Nurse Claire, how are you, dear? Hello. You've had you've had a little you've had a little bronchitis. You've had the mega bronchitis that's going around, <laughs> I, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, a little laryngitis. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you sound a lot better. You were completely voiceless for several days, weren't you? I was. I think my husband probably enjoy, enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I know my kids did. <laughs> no, no, now, now. Uh, we're 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 glad we're glad you're here, and we're glad to, that you're on the mend. So. No. Well, thank you for having me. So, have like have you seen any FBI agents in, uh, infiltrating your parish? <laughs> Spot the spook. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm too busy. When I'm at mass, I'm actually too busy focusing on mass. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, but I'm sure my, you know, my car has been parked outside of the SSPX enough. I'm sure I'm on some watch list. <laughs> Dangerous, dangerous people. Ooh, yes. Yes. Well, I know one of the other topics we wanted to talk about was um, blood banking. And yes. for people who are looking at um, the need to prudently be prepared for blood, especially if they've had some kind of situation in the past where they had to receive blood transfusions, how do you go about doing that given the state of the people who are you know, genetically modified at this point? Do you, do you have to request GMO-free blood now? I wish it was that simple. Um, so the Red Cross, we'll pick on them. They they control 40% of the blood in the United States. So they're not, you know, um, controlling all of it, but they're probably the most visible and they probably, you know, that 40% that they control is, is probably the biggest chunk that one entity overseas. Mm -hmm. So we'll pick on the Red Cross. Um, they do not, by their own admission, delineate vaccinated from unvaccinated blood. Cool. So if you 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you need a blood transfusion and you want to request unvaccinated blood, they do not honor your right to do that. Um, because they claim that they don't, they also claim that there's no difference. Now, in fairness, we don't know that there is a difference because no one has studied the effects of transfusing vaccinated blood into someone that's unvaccinated. There's no papers that have been published. There's no studies that have been undertaken to look at that. Well, why would somebody do the study? Because that's going to be career suicide. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, if you don't look for a a problem, you're not really going to find it. Um, but so there is there's massive anecdotal evidence. That, correct. Uh, right. That it, the blood the blood it's it's contagious in the blood, and I use the word yes. contagious for lack of a better word. And the other thing that is starting to be widely reported now is that um, how does one put this delicately? A husband um, can apparently transfer the spike proteins and the nasties to his wife in the context of the marital embrace such that the wife the the non-vaccinated wife is getting horrific horrific pains um you know pelvic pain um and then all of your classic you know symptoms of of people who are being adversely affected by these spike proteins. I mean, and it, if you just stop and think about it, it it makes sense. That makes sense. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. you know, there's no papers that discuss the blood transfusions. Um, so the Red Cross wants to fall back on that and say, well, you know, there's no evidence to say that it's unsafe. But there's no evidence to say that it's safe either. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they're not... They're not delineating unvaccinated blood. And so people who want to receive unvaccinated blood really are left with very few options. Um, now, I've had the reason this comes up, I've had several people contact me through Twitter asking about this um, because they have some event coming up that they anticipate they may need uh, a blood transfusion, you know, a surgery or someone close to them that's got a medical condition where they have chronic anemia that may require a blood transfusion at some point. That That's not uncommon. So my advice to people is this. If you are planning an, to have an operation, the first thing you can do is talk to your surgeon about this and be very clear that you don't want to receive vaccinated blood from a vaccinated donor. These things are not, I work in surgery. This is not an uncommon thing. You know, during the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of hesitancy, people that didn't want to receive blood products because of the HIV and AIDS, um, I guess I'll use the word epidemic, I don't know. Um, people were fearful to receive any kind of blood products because of that. But also Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses mm -hmm. do not take any kind of blood products. So this is not an uncommon request. You know, those of us that work in surgery, we're used to hearing this. We're used to encountering patients that don't want to get blood for whatever reason. Um, so talk to your surgeon and they can 
consult, there is a subspecialty in medicine called bloodless medicine. And those physicians, usually they're hematologists. Um, they will work with um, other doctors, surgeons usually, because this usually pertains to people that are having operations. They'll work with surgeons to, to strategize ways to minimize somebody's requirement for needing a blood transfusion. There are techniques that we can utilize in the operating room. Um, cell saver, cell, sa cell savage, which is where the suction device that the surgeon uses is connected to a special machine. So as you're bleeding from your operation, your blood is being collected into a machine that will then um, wash those red cells and we can give them back to you. Um, so we can do auto transfusion. So that's a technique. It's not used, there are some limitations to that. If you're having um, uh, surgery for cancer, we don't like to use that because if there are any cancer cells that get mm. taken up into that suction and then we would transfuse them into you, they could disseminate throughout your body and we don't want to do that. So there are limitations to cell salvage, but um, that's an option. There are other medications, um, things like transamic acid that we can give people to reduce their um, intraoperative bleeding that, that would then obviously um, minimize the chance that they would need a blood transfusion. And the other thing that you can do is uh, directed donation. Some people, if it's far enough in advance, can donate their own blood. And again, this is something that's been done for decades. Not uncommon, not a strange request. You can donate your own blood if it's far enough in advance, or if you have a family member that can donate for you, you can do directed donation. How far in advance can you do that? What's the what's the shelf life of blood? We I actually don't know. Pa uh, red blood cell. It depends on the product. And we're mm -hmm. usually when we're talking about blood, we're usually talking about red blood cells, mm -hmm. which is what we would give a patient who is anemic, either chronically or acutely, their hemoglobin level is low. So we would transfuse them with red blood cells. Red blood cells can be banked for 42 days. That's <clears throat> so, all. Wow. Yep, yep. Well, platelets only last five days. Um, plasma, cryoprecipitate, those things are frozen and they can be frozen for a year. But platelets, mm -hmm. five days. Red blood cells, 42 days. Um, so you can arrange for directed donation if you have a family member. But there are several attempts being made now by a couple of individuals to set up options for people and uh, an, another option for people. These are not blood banks per se. They can't collect a unit of blood and store it um, and then distribute it because of the law there mm -hmm. are you know a lot of permits that need to be obtained for those sort of things and the fda and blah 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 and you know what those people are like so these are not alternative blood banks what they are instead um they are um there it's a network it kind of acts as an intermediary mm -hmm. so you can sign up 
to be a donor, a volunteer to be a donor, an unvaccinated donor with one of these networks. Or if you need blood, you can go to these websites and they will put you in touch with donors in your area. And we actually have a listener to this podcast who utilized this service recently. Um, I think he's okay with, with me talking about this. Um, it, it was actually for his wife. She was going to deliver a baby and she in the past had had some problems uh, one of her deliveries, I guess, sounds like it was kind of went sideways and she ended up needing um, several units of blood in a previous delivery. So he was concerned that should that happen again, that that was like prior to COVID and mm -hmm. prior to all of this wacko craziness. So he was concerned that if that would happen again, he did not want his wife to get vaccinated blood. So um, he was one of the people that contacted me and there, there were a couple of others, but he actually... Um, is you know does have experience with this and he had a very positive experience it turned out his wife didn't need the blood but um he was able to contact there is an organization and i'll put links to this in the show notes for people i don't want to give like too many details because i we could talk about this we could make a whole podcast out of this and i think the audience is pretty smart pretty resourceful people so if we just link to the website they can um find what they what they're looking for and what they need to do but there are two organizations one is called safe blood and that good um, name actually, <laughs> good, good <yes>. brand <laughs> safe blood mm -hmm. um safe blood i, I want to say has been around the longest but i don't know that that's true um that is uh run by an individual mr george pietra i think is how you say his name he's in switzerland um, but he's got this up and running internationally. So he, he definitely has people in the United States that he can put you in touch with. Um, and his website's very interesting because uh, he's done a lot of, he, he's got a lot of info on his website. The other one, which our listener used, is called Blessed by His Blood. And they, I think, Think if I'm remembering the details of his message correctly, they actually put him in touch with six potential donors in his area. Um, so it, the way it works is is like human, normal human like me signs up with this service. I assume I have to go somewhere so that they can tell you know that I am in fact O negative and. Are there any other? Um... They put you in touch with a with a facility that will actually draw the blood and bank mm -hmm. the blood, um, and I think they do all the you know necessary like typing and all of that stuff. So if somebody needs blood, I would get a, a, an email or a text message and say, oh oh somebody somebody within you know 50 miles of you yes needs needs your blood right now can you please go to the facility right now and donate yes and you I, either yes. say yes or no yeah yes i that's, that's how it works and i do want to stress to people this is like in a very early early stage so mm -hmm. there's a lot of kinks and bugs that need to be worked out um it isn't flawless yet it's not perfect but it's it's an effort people are making to try to set up an alternative. Um, and this is something that's going to help you 
You know, if you have a scheduled surgery or if you have a chronic illness that you may need, a, you know, people with kidney disease or whatever, they get very anemic and oftentimes end up needing a unit or two. This will definitely help you. I don't personally, as someone that's worked in a level one trauma center and I've resuscitated people, I think the most units I've ever given a patient is 54, um, 54. at one time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've I've been in situations where people are literally dying and we have transfused them with so much blood that we've replaced their entire circulating blood volume, sometimes several times over. Yeah. So that type of scenario, I don't think this is going to help you. That's well, yeah, going to be... If it's an emergency situation, if a, if a space alien UFO balloon yeah. drops out of the sky on your head and you right. have a massive head trauma, th this, this isn't going to be able to do it for you. Yeah, well, at least yet. At least at the least technology yet. isn't there yet. Right. But if you knew that you were having, I mean, what are some examples of, of procedures that someone would have where they could potentially anticipate needing blood. How about orthopedics? What about like a like a hip replacement or? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I I I at this point in my career, I tend to do a lot of orthopedics. I like it. It's nice and chill. Um, I and I it's been a while since I've transfused somebody that's having a joint replacement, but it happens. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, those patients will have two units on standby just in case. Okay. Um, any kind of vascular stuff. People that are having um, aneurysm repairs, any kind of abdominal surgery. If you have a an abdominal tumor and you're having, mm. you know, okay. major abdominal surgery to resect a tumor, a lot of times those patients will end up getting sometimes four units, sometimes more. Um, so if you have anything coming up, um, pregnant ladies, you mm. know, um, mm -hmm. this would be definitely something I think is that is worth exploring. Again, it's a little rusty. It's all very new. Um, and it's, it's in its infancy, to be honest, but it's but the more people who sign up, the better it will yep. work. Yep. And it's already functional. What it used to okay, the the listener, hello, listener. Um, and congratulations. But he, he that's a he lives in a major city. How he many does, donors yeah. did they have pop up? He had six, wow. I believe, for mm -hmm. his wife. Um, and there's an anecdote. Uh, Safe Blood has a Facebook page, and they've got an anecdote on their Facebook page of a woman, I think, in San Francisco, and they were able to connect her with, you know, more than enough people that she needed. Um, so it's it's an available option to you, and. I'm glad that someone's taking the initiative to do this. I think mm -hmm. it's also interesting. Now, I know between you and I, and we had been chatting, um, and you brought up the point, well, how do they know that these people are unvaccinated? Yeah. They don't. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. And they, uh, Mr. George, I don't know, he's in Switzerland. Maybe it's pronounced Georg. I don't know. He, his Safe Blood website, he does address that. And he said... At this point, there is no test to determine mm. if a person's been vaccinated. Um, and he said that they can, now I've never read this anywhere except his website. I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm just saying this, this according to him, they can see a difference 
in the vaccinated blood on electron microscope. However, that is not um, accepted by the medical community at large. It's not a, a not a standard that's been mm-hmm. accepted. And people don't have scanning electron microscopes Correct. just laying around yes. either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's he, he makes the point that it's a trust yeah. issue. If someone's coming to you and they're telling you that they're unvaccinated, you can either take a chance on believing them and get their blood or you can get banked blood from the Red Cross, which is almost guaranteed to be That's vaccinated. Right. That's right. So, you know, it's certainly the lesser of two evils, to borrow a phrase. Um, and I don't know, but I'll link all of this in the show notes for people. And then if this is something that interests you, either it's a service that you want to utilize as a recipient or you feel inclined to volunteer to be a donor, as I think that would be a tremendous act of charity. Um, Corporal work of mercy, wouldn't it? Yes. It would be, oh, huge, huge. And I think, I think that's one little caveat with a safe blood, I think, is if you want to receive a unit of blood, you also have to agree to be a, a potential donor for them as well. Oh, um, okay. yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it's great. I don't know. I, it's, I think it it's brings great. up an absolutely fascinating question. And I think we're on, on the cusp. This might have already started by now. And for me, it's the question of when is that moment going to come when up until now, people have been lying about having received the, yep. the injection. I know, I know multiple people who have fake cards. Um, I posted on the blog that fabulous, fabulous debate between Dr. Janet Smith and um, Dom Gregory Pine, the Dominican, Mm -hmm. about the moral laicity of lying. And are, are there instances in which it is morally licit to lie and you know they they never talk about about the coof they always put it in the context of nazis knocking at your door asking if you have jews in your basement or your attic um and you know that's how the whole thing is framed but good grief that i mean I, you can tell what kind of a what kind of a wonky person you are is if when you have company over and friends come over to visit and you're like, well, what what would we like to watch on TV tonight for a little after dinner entertainment? And it's like, oh, we have to watch the the Janet Smith, Don Gregory Pine debate about the moral <laughs> laicity of lying. It is must see TV. It is absolutely yeah. riveting. It but was good. It's so good. So we'll put that in the show notes too. But where where I think we are, I think we are in the moment in which we are going to see people flip from lying about having received it so that they could, you know, keep job, green passes, all that crap. We're in the moment now where people, it's going to flip and people are going to start lying about not having received it. What do I mean by that? Um, insurance is going to have to start talking about this. Because, you know, health insurance, life insurance, Mm -hmm. if you have, if you have irreversible cardiac damage, um, et cetera, et cetera, if you have exposed yourself to something that statistically, it's just going to get worse and worse, statistically could kill you within 
very easily within the next five years, life insurance companies and health insurance companies are going to have to start asking about this. And if they develop a, and a rapid test for blood, it will, I promise you, it will be the insurance companies who pay for that development and who bring those, and bring those tests to market because they're going to have to do something to defend themselves because if, the, if, if not, their business model is literally completely, totally shot. Um, the, next, the next context that this would apply where people would have to start lying about not having been injected would be like licensure for flying airplanes things like that you joining know where the military joining the military exactly and then of course the big one for young people dating dating well you know as you were talking um i wanted to mention that someone told me a few weeks ago and i'm not i'm married i'm not on any online dating forums absolutely but um someone mentioned to me that those online dating sites like um match.com or whatever mm -hmm. i guess you can now indicate in your profile whether or not you've been vaccinated um and when you're doing a search you can narrow your search you know you can include that in your search criteria like i do not want to date someone that's been vaccinated well there you go because i can guarantee you that someone somewhere is already lying about it yeah in, yeah in yeah. the other in the right. reverse sense yeah correct yep, yep. so um the online dating services have already done that and then earlier today i read a headline that there is an online um or not i'm sorry not an online a uh, a dating service in hawaii for the unvaccinated that just launched so it's definitely becoming a thing and yeah. i think you're right we're at a crossroads now where the pendulum is going to shift the opposite direction i know a ton of people that forged their vaccine cards i i never did that i took an exemption i stood up and said i'm not taking this vaccine i'm unvaccinated but there are apparently quite a few people working in the healthcare industry that got fake cards and i'm told um tons of them in new york city oh yeah are oh, really yeah. unvaccinated mm -hmm. masquerading as vaccinated so i think the the pendulum you're right it's gonna start to swing the other way yeah oh i hope i hope we're getting close i i i suspect that we are i suspect that it's going to be a, a very public thing i don't know how much longer this excess death can go on the way it is um but i've also made the point with regards to dating and reproduction um and i, I made this point like in late 2020 early 2021 when all of this you could see that this this push, everybody has to be injected with this stuff immediately is okay, it's a sterilant, it's a sterilant. But then I made a post that said, guys, remember, here we are, we're all traditional Orthodox believing Catholics, and we exist in our own, our little bubble in our little universe, you have to understand that you if you approach most young people on the street today, and say, listen, this, this, uh, this COVID vaccine, it has a side effect of um, causing permanent sterility lots and lots of young men and young women both would say, oh, that's fantastic. Do I have to pay extra for that? It's a it's feature, a feature not, a not a bug to yeah. them. Yeah. So, but 
when that when they're actually faced with it um and also the whole the whole notion of like i said the contagiousness of the spike protein um especially from man to woman um they and I mean, without getting into details but if you think about the engineering of all of it um a vaccinated woman would be you know just mechanically far less likely to shall we say contaminate a male partner or or her husband uh let's presume than the other way around it's more you know it's it's more contagious going from the masculine to the female so there's going to be there's going to be women who are just saying no i mean if i number one if 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 i marry you and again we'll we'll assume morality and that all of this is happening within the context of marriage if i marry you dude um and you've had this injection there is a non-trivial chance that you're not going to live five years um and and you'll be beating the odds if you live 10 years and and we're in our late 20s okay so i don't want to be a widow before i'm 40 and you're going to give me this this uh poisonous spike protein and you're going to mess with me and you're going to sterilize me so i might end up not being able to get pregnant at all or getting pregnant and having just miscarriage after miscarriage or stillbirth or whatever and also screw up my own body and you know cause cause um clotting or whatever whatever side effect in me so you know this is this is going to come to the fore um i i don't see that how people are going to going to be able to avoid talking about this and um i hope i hope the insurance companies are already on the the rapid test for um figuring out who is and who isn't now that that sword will cut both ways because the people who who have um chosen to defend their bodies and defend themselves and lie and have the fake cards as soon as the rapid test comes out you you would have to assume that the new world order is going is going to go after people and and try to figure out and try to find the liars um and prevent and prevent people from lying in the future about it but on the other hand we can also defend ourselves from them too go ahead super nerd well that's been done already there was a story that um shoot this has been a couple of years ago somebody um or maybe it was a year ago um uh, People who were flying to Hawaii for, for a vacation, they had to submit their VAX cards in advance. And a few people were either denied getting on the airplane at all or arrested as soon as they got to Hawaii because they had a clearly forged vaccination card, which led to a lot of questions. Well, how do they know that? Uh, possibly the the lot numbers and where these people were located um, that yeah. they couldn't possibly have gotten gotten those. There is some tracking involved, not to the level that the next round is going to be, but um they're, they're, well, they're, the batch numbers has... are are tied to cities. They're aren't they geographically? You can you can look up geographically what the batch numbers are. Isn't that cor correct, Nurse Claire? Yeah, probably. But there are also there's also the phenomenon of people traveling to certain cities to get um, the the particular jab. I know that the company where I work, there was somebody who was saying they specifically wanted to get the uh, the Johnson and Johnson because it was the one shot jab, and they traveled like six hours to get it. Wow. Okay, well. Well, and if you recall back when the vaccines, I hate using that word, 
Back mm. when the shots rolled out. Now, even shots. Shots can be fun if you're, you know, speaking about a certain type of shot. <laughs> the injections. Um, when the injections rolled out, like spring of 2021, they created this illusion of a shortage. So as to, uh, it was like this adversity marketing tactic, telling everybody, well, we don't have enough. We, you know, you, you have to make an appointment. You have to wait your turn. It's only old people first. And then it's mm -hmm. this group and that group and blah, blah, blah. And they created this, um, they fomented this, you know, just, desire in people to get this thing that they yeah. had to have this thing and I know people that um drove for four hours to get because they could find an appointment in a you know city four hours away and they were driving and I'm like are you insane yes so yeah <laughs> short answer <laughs> yes yes yeah yes oh man yeah. It's right. it is interesting to to trip down memory lane and look at the whole psyop as it all played out and everything we've been through. I I I do that from time to time because I still am just floored at the enormity of this. Well, they learned from Apple and some other uh, technology companies the whole idea of creating artificial scarcity. If you want yeah. the new iPhone, whatever, as soon as it releases, you got to line up two days ahead of time because. You, you get the few, you know, allocation that comes to the store early, and then you have to wait four weeks for it to come into stock for real. Yeah, yeah. And remember <laughs> talking about thigh slapping, going, tripping down memory, memory lane. Remember at the beginning when it, it all had to be kept at 78 degrees below oh, zero yes. and liquid yes, nitrogen? Yes. And <laughs> yeah, what happened to that? That, that you know, lasted you a matter a, of minutes. You needed <laughs> a special freezer. No one no one had these freezers. It need, oh. That was only the select number of shots that had the alien DNA in it that had to be at minus 70. <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Bringing it all back around. It's back to the aliens again. <laughs> well, that is very good information. And yeah, I think this this um, uh, donation network is is going to be this is going to be a thing. This is going to be huge. And like I said, I think it's a, a tremendous, tremendous act of corporal mercy to sign up for something like that. Very cool. Yeah, and if I come across any other, um, you know, like I said, there's these two organizations right now, but if I run into any others, I mm -hmm. will certainly uh, let you know and you can pass the info on. I'd have to think that the business model is going to be successful. And I, I, a couple of episodes ago, the last, the last like medical episode that we did, I think I mentioned that if one were a, <laughs> a crass and savvy business person that you'd be looking at like... Um, diagnostic centers for um MR, heart heart diagnostics and all that kind of stuff because like i said insurance companies and and licensure and all that kind of stuff is going to start requiring people to have proof of um cardiac fitness um young kids all the signs on the on the um uh, pediatric office window that I will not sign off on your sports release form, teenager, until you have a full cardiac workup, if you're jabbed, if you're jabbed. 
And so it's all that kind of stuff. There's there's these new, for lack of a better word, but it is the right word, markets. These new these new markets for these services are are emerging right now in real time, and um, it's a legitimate need. I mean, you can talk about culpability and you know let let these people sleep in the beds that they've made in, but you know. It, on the other hand, life life does have to continue, and these people are going to have to they're going to have to move forward. And and if they want diagnostics and and they want to know what their cardiac situation is, then we're gonna we're gonna need stuff like this. So oh, there definitely are offices where you can do cardiac scans, and and you can oh, just yeah. walk in off the street. There's a place that advertises uh, on, on a podcast I listen to locally that uh, it's like a hundred dollars. To, yeah, to but get we're, we're going to need more. That's kind of my point. This is this is going to explode to where this is going to be kind of like a normal thing that these now five billion human beings who have been injected with this crap are are going to be looking to use these services. Well, what they really need is a cardiac MRI. Ca cardiac MRI. Okay. Yes, because the the papers that I'm reading are are citing the cardiac MRI. Um, as being the gold standard because the scar tissue that's formed by the myocarditis post-vaccination is not really being picked up on the echocardiogram, which is the ultrasound mm -hmm. of the heart. Um, they're having to look at gadolinium-enhanced um, cardiac MRIs. So if anybody's got, I don't know what a MRI machine costs, I would imagine it's probably upwards of a million dollars. I don't know. But people that want to branch out into private, some kind of private practice or for-profit medicine that can open their own clinic like that, mm -hmm. there you go. Yep. Um, and as far as, you know, your comment, and regarding letting these people sleep in the bed they made for themselves, my, my, that is true to some extent, but what I really feel sorry for are these kids. Yeah, it's the you kids. know yep. the young kids, the teenagers, the preteens who were basically victimized by their brainwashed and indoctrinated parents, and yep. you know these adolescent boys in particular. Although I've seen the myocarditis in girls, the literature all identifies it as being more predominant in boys um, but I, it definitely mm -hmm. happens in girls don't get me wrong but these adolescent boys you know that are 14 years old and then where they're going to be in three or four years from now I, because you know their their mom was some covidian that insisted they get in, injected like, it's really sad yeah so those it's are the species people that, of child sacrifice it's it is sacrifice. Yeah. yep you're absolutely yep. right yeah but do they know it's child sacrifice or is it just a matter of uh, pride and and um, a really perverse sense of of um, needing to go along with the crowd. Mm, that's well, only our Lord. That's that's why he, it, it, ju judgment is reserved to him on that. But I think with some of them, that how how would I phrase this? I think that the psychological paradigm historically that people have had in which they then would sacrifice their own children to Moloch or whatever deity. I think that that exact same psychological 
anomaly is at work here. I, I do think it is. I think it's, yes, I would do this. I would, I believe in this cause, but really it's a religion. I believe in this religion so much that I, I believe in the religion more than I care about the, the health and well-being of my child. I will sacrifice my child to this religion. I think, yeah, I think it's fair to say that that dynamic is at play here. Which is a type of human respect. Which is a type of human respect. Elaborate. That's the, the specific fault of, of, say, of going along with the crowd because you don't want to be seen lesser than in their eyes. It's human respect. It's, ultimately, it's a species of pride. I have to be part of the cool group. Therefore, I'm going to do such and such. And I do need to correct you on one point. You talked about Moloch or other deity. You meant demon. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, other demon, not deity. Um, thank you very much. Uh, we see it's my it's the Freemasonic infiltrator in me. It just it just it just popped out. Um, so it's the same thing with the people doing the um, the the trans transvestitism mutilation of their children too. You know that's that's human sacrifice as well. They're they're saying I am so invested in the religion of sexual perversion that. I will offer up my own child because remember any any child who is having any of this crap done um, the be the best way I've heard it described is it's like if if someone tells you that their cat is a vegan well it's not the cat's idea it's you know whose idea that is it's the owner's idea it's not the cat's idea to be a vegan same thing with a child it's not a child it's not the child's idea to to be a transvestite and to have their body mutilated that is 100 percent the idea of the parent and the parent has then has then inculcated slash forced as that that witch in texas um and, and you know the supreme court of texas sided with her and then she flew she fled to california um stealing stealing these children leaving the the father of the children helpless um in, in texas they fled to california where this woman is absolutely bound and determined that she is going to sacrifice her child on the altar of this transvestitism bodily mutilation cult and yeah i think i think that they put the religion the ideology that they they get to the point where they would sacrifice their children to in service to this this religion it's it's a classic case and you know there's all kinds of chesterton quotes and c.s lewis quotes about how you know human beings are are built we are built to worship to worship god to seek him out to find him and if you reject the one true god and the one true faith and but you have this massive hole in your soul and you're looking you're looking for quote unquote religion and you're looking for something to worship and remember the the essence of worship is sacrifice to truly worship there has to be an element of sacrifice which is why any religion that doesn't have sacrifice uh, talmudic judaism <coughs> is just is just completely bonkers off the rails there has to be sacrifice there and of course what we have is the sacrifice capital t capital s where God sacrifices himself to himself by the power of himself on the cross at the holy sacrifice of the mass. 
and um you know it's it's the ultimate sacrifice they're they're just trying to find a substitute for that and these people are so far gone and so sick that they've not only ascribed to a, to a false religion which covidism is but they're willing the sacrifice that they're willing to make is their own children themselves you know in that whole you know musloid suicide bomber mindset there there have been tweets uh that from random people saying, you know, even, even if the, the, the COVID injections are proven to be, um, are proven to be toxic, I would still do it again. I wouldn't change anything. I regret nothing. Da, 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 da. I mean, that's, that's how entrenched this, this mindset gets the same as the musloid who convinces himself. And a lot of times his mother eggs him on to do it um convinces himself that he needs to strap a bomb to himself and go kill a bunch of people somewhere you know i mean it's it's basically the same thing yeah that that's a type of human respect and i didn't really have anything else to say on that topic and in terms of topics i pretty much have my bullet points are all covered well i mean you've you've got that bullet point you sent me about uh, luke skywalker having a pink lightsaber i don't know we can save that for another time oh i i've only seen the headline i've only seen the headline that mark hamill the actor who plays Luke Skywalker, who's a raging, raging commie, has come out and because, you know, they have to ruin everything for everyone, has come out and said that Luke Skywalker, the character, is in fact a sodomite. So I, no, I saw it the other way around. I, I thought it was somebody at Lucasfilm and they that is a den of woke. Ugh. They were saying that Luke Skywalker um, was not cis normative now normal male and 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 uh, it was mark hamill who said no he's he's a jedi and, and, and basically saying he's, he's manly we'll have to look at what we'll the bench that one come back to it later i guess and isn't there isn't there a huge debate isn't there somewhere in that in the canon you know the the star wars novels that they write that luke skywalker got married at some point or something yeah but if you talk about star wars canon at this point you pretty much have to discount everything that came after the disney acquisition because they have so completely yes. screwed up the storylines that what what is canon what makes sense doesn't make sense anymore but yeah. yes there there was something that uh toy boy um george lucas he made toy his boy. he made his big fortune selling the toys he maintained the merchandising rights on, yep. on star wars even though he sold the the script for the movies and all the rest he also maintained- he was the first person to ever do that. That was the that was the first. Um, there was nothing like that ever before. I think a lot of it's so the whole merchandising of of movie characters like that and action figures and all that that's so ubiquitous and it has been it's been going on for well our entire lives because it started in 1977 um, that. I think a lot of people don't realize that, that he really was the the pioneer in that and that you can say what you want about him, but he had the foresight to know that it was going to be the merchandising that was just going to make him was going to make him a billionaire. And he was he was one of the first uh, Holly, Hollywood self-made in Hollywood billionaires, I would say. Well, and then he let that drive some of the plot lines, of the movies like with the, the Muppets on Indoor. But what yep. I was gonna, what I was gonna yep. say is with the and one of the other things that they did with the Lucas uh, film group is that they licensed um, authors to make Star Wars stories, and there there was different levels of whether or not this was you know acceptable to the canon or just completely you're you're doing your own thing. They call it the extended universe or EU, mm -hmm. and out in that 
uh, out in that section of the, of the novels, there was one of the authors who came up with the, a character, Mara Jade, who became Luke Skywalker's wife. And she had been an imperial hand to the Emperor Palpatine, and, and there was some conversion of some sort there. And um, they became um, well, a married couple and, and, and gave birth to more Jedi and so on and so forth. George Lucas hated it. He absolutely okay. hated the idea of Mara Jade and was was quite happy when the author decided to kill her off at one point. But it, okay. that's that's not part of the official canon. Gotcha. Well, after that little Star Wars tangent aside, I do actually have one more thing medical that I want to go back to while we have Nurse Claire. Um, Nurse Claire, we were chit-chatting about this. Um, boy, I'm getting lots of more and more and more emails about this. Um, what is, is there any protocol for people who have had the jab, is there anything that helps? And the FLCCC does have a protocol, isn't that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was so dear. Uh-oh. Uh, yes. I, I'm sorry for people that are dealing with this. I really, really am. I just have to reiterate, you cannot go get the jab. Correct, yep. And then yep. think there's a magic eraser. There's yep. not. There's but not a magic eraser. For those who are, you know, f- feeling bad, repenting, regretting their choice. Um, yes, the FLCCC does have a protocol. They recently updated, I want to say it was January 28th. It was uh, recently, the end of, within the last 12 or 14 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've added methylene blue now. That's what I was going to their... ask you about. Yeah. What is methylene blue? Methylene blue um, is a chemical substance. People, you know, it comes in various strengths. The industrial strength there is used as like fabric dye or whatever. Um, but you can get like pure pharmaceutical grade methylene blue. And some people take it daily as just sort of um, a supplement. It's like an antioxidant. Um, We give it in the operating room sometimes. The last time that I gave it in the operating room, this patient was in severe hypovolemic shock. What does that mean? uh, She was bleeding tremendously. And after Mm -hmm. us giving her massive amounts of um, blood and transfusing her, she still... She had a, a huge GI bleed, and we were just having a very hard time getting control of this bleeding. So she was in hypovolemic shock, meaning her blood pressure was low. Mm-hmm. And it was um, in the 30s and 40s, her systolic blood pressure. And I was leaning over the table, and I was just about ready to say to the surgeon, you know, I don't. I can't, I was giving her everything I could. I was emptying syringes into this woman. And I was sort of in favor of kind of just letting her go because at that point we had been at it for so long and she was so hypotensive. And he's like, no, 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 just just hang in there. I'm almost, you know, I've almost got under. And so as a last ditch effort, we gave this woman methylene blue. And um, it... It's a free radical scavenger, and uh, her blood pressure rebounded in front of my eyes. Wow. And um, she went home from the hospital, like, 
several months later, three months later. So, do you but think anyway, it was the methylene blue, or do yeah, you oh, think yeah, that yeah. the surgeon like sealed sealed something up in her abdomen well, or something? <clears throat> he did, but you know we were so behind in how much blood that she lost. And he was like, mm-hmm. just give me a few more minutes, like keep keep up with what I'm doing. And I'm like, I can't, you know, um, yeah, as fast as I would pour blood into her, it was coming out. But the methylene blue, like it was one of the more memorable things of my career that I've ever seen. Um, but they've added this, there, no one knows how to fix this vaccine. I know Dr. Beep has said this on the podcast before, and I have mm-hmm. to also repeat it. We don't even know what's in the vaccine, so we yep. don't know how to fix it. And these guys are trying as many different um as many different things as they can red light therapy um hyperbaric oxygen and they've recently added methylene blue to their protocol so if you go to their website it's available there for you um i think there's a pdf version that is 30 pages or something that explains the science behind what they're attempting to do and what they're how they're speculating that these things will help um, and then there's also just a um, the quick and dirty actual protocol itself. You can download either of those. And, you know, some of the more medically minded people that listen to the podcast may be interested in actually reading the whole um, citations and whatever that they've included in the longer form PDF. So can normal civilian human beings buy methylene blue pharmaceutical yep. grade? Yep. Like um, f- I can what, like a health food store or Amazon or? I, I've bought it online. I've never bought it in a health food store. So I don't want to say that you can um, because I don't know. I've only ever bought it online. I will send you some links. There okay. are, It yeah. is available on Amazon, but I think there's other places that are cheaper. Well, and we all prefer to not do Amazon if, yes. if we can avoid doing Amazon, if we, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, so. Bringing it back around to the aliens, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeff Bezos being an alien, yes. Jeff Bezos, absolutely. Yes. He'll balloon drop it at your front door. That, that's right, that's right. The, they aren't space aliens, they're just Amazon delivery vehicles. <laughs> the balloons. <laughs> oh, you know, while we're talking about balloons, can we go back to a point that you made, Anne? Sure. You mentioned the, was it the UK Guardian, whatever that article that talked about this is a military surveillance operation. Mm -hmm. Um, This article was written in 2019, so it was BC before COVID. Yep. Um, If people aren't aware, they should look up the 15-minute cities. If you oh, look yeah. at if you look at what's going on in places like I think Oxford is definitely one of them and there's one or two other ones. This is just the COVID lockdown by another name. And it's yeah. all being done um in the name of climate change and I think I personally think that that I don't know that there's going to be another pandemic. I know that Bill Gates has dropped the smallpox word and people have talked about you know, oh, there's going to be another pandemic or the avian flu. I don't know what's next. I can't, my mind doesn't work the way that these people, <laughs> this diabolical, I, I don't have a mind that can predict these things. But um, I think that that climate change is probably 
yeah. the next thing. And that's... You know, the other thing that occurred to me was, were, were we chatting about this? Think about this. Radiation, okay? You don't know in you the moment it. as it's yep. happening. You yep. have no idea. All you can do is if someone comes on TV and says, oh, you guys have all been exposed to radiation, you have to stay in your houses. I mean, you, you, there's, you don't have any way, I mean, unless you have a Geiger counter. And I think this was the context that I was talking about that. You can go on Amazon and there are Geiger counters that you can buy and they're not terribly expensive. The, the more expensive ones were like, I don't know, 200 bucks or something. There were ones that were under a hundred bucks. I don't know how high they go, but they're Geiger counters. If you don't have a Geiger counter, and almost nobody does, and the 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 voices on the television start saying there's been there's been a Russian nuclear detonation in the upper atmosphere. Um, it was out in space, so you didn't perceive it, but you are now being bombarded with radiation. But no, nobody's going to be able to say, nuh-uh, if they're lying, you know? And right. then they'll say, well, you have to stay in your house. You have to lock yourself in your house for the next three weeks, and we'll tell you when it's, when it's okay to come out. They could start doing that crap, too. Actually, let me interject there. If, if, if they come over the radio or TV with that announcement, you can, call, you can throw the BS flag immediately. Because if there was a high-altitude burst like that, TV and radio would not work. It's called an EMP, and your systems would be knocked out. Power grid would be down. You're not getting anything over over electronic means. But can't they can't they calibrate nuclear devices to be either dirty, radiation dirty, or electromagnetic pulse? Or is the or is the electromagnetic pulse just every time there's a nuclear detonation that happens, and they they can't make it not happen? Okay, if you want to phrase it as a dirty bomb, yeah, I could see that, where they could uh, aerosolize a bunch of highly radioactive stuff, and they do that at high altitude, and it spreads all over the place. That mm -hmm. that probably is possible. I'm not a, an expert. I'm not a terrorist, so I, I wouldn't know exactly how to go about doing that. I was just thinking that along the lines of the way you were saying that, like it was an actual nuclear yeah. detonation. If, like yeah, a, if there like was a, an EMP, then your TV wouldn't be working. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then I, do they do they cut the electricity and say, oop, there's been an EMP and it, it got the electrical grid. And then people would say, well, my, my little devices here, my little uh, independent battery driven devices still work or the car still starts, you know, I, I don't know. But all I know is that they as we were talking about in the in the pre show, they're all so dishonest that yeah. we're we're at the point now that anything these people say you just th there's absolutely no way to know whether or not they're telling the truth or they're lying because they've just lied so much there's there's no presumption of honesty or trust there anymore right and i think the ohio um train derailment is the latest example of that no one knows what to believe yeah because you have so many people saying so many different things, none of them really are credible. So I don't, I wouldn't even begin to know what the truth is about that. 
But I do think, I agree with you, Anne, I do think that these big balloons were some sort of military surveillance. They're going to be able to see you go to church. Yeah. Um, they're going to be able to see you leave your house. And the 15-minute cities that... The 15-minute city, They're yep. trialing, you know, in other parts of the world, Oxford, England, for example. That, I think, is... Um, Definitely within the realm of possibilities and would tie into what these um, surveillance balloons are, are designed to do and, mm -hmm. and they would be used to enforce that maybe. I don't know. This, this discussion about the balloons and, and uh, surveillance uh, capabilities or pa sensor packages on that makes me think of the uh, Benghazi attack where uh, Ambassador yes. Stevens di died. Yep. One of the details that you have to talk to the right people who knew what was going on, there were two Predator drones orbiting Benghazi that night, one with the Gorgon Stare sensor package on it, which basically is, is super, super, super high def. They could mm -hmm. see everything. And so anything that wasn't being released is because they didn't want it released. Uh, I would imagine that was, what, 15 years ago now? It, all, all this yeah, technology yeah, is upgraded yeah. at this point. Hillary Clinton sat there and watched the murders of those men which she which she ordered she murdered those guys it was they had to you know uh ambassador chris stevens was cia they established that thing as a beachhead so that they could funnel arms into libya and then get them to the muslim brotherhood through that beachhead in benghazi and they needed to destroy the evidence and she or she ordered that the hit she set them up um, and then they sat there, they sat there in the White House and watched from those drone feeds and watched and made sure that those men were killed. I mean, oh, that woman needs to be at the end of a rope. And I think uh, I don't have much, much hesitancy in saying that because it's I think everybody knows it's 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 the truth. It's the truth. Oh. Yeah, I'll put something in the show notes. It's called Benghazi, the Definitive Report. Mm -hmm. and it was written by uh, two guys. One's a SEAL and one's a Ranger. They knew the people on the ground, the special ops and the CIA um, uh, special dudes who are paramilitary, who were there on site in Benghazi. They knew one of the guys who were killed uh, in uh, responding to the to the situation. I'll put this in the show notes because definitely there's there's information in there you will never find anywhere else. And I'm still surprised this thing is available. And I think a lot of people don't realize that if a, if a United, you know, in, in a normal world, uh, if a United States ambassador puts out a distress call, that is the equivalent of a four-star general putting out a distress, a distress call. I mean, just everything is mobilized instantly. And um, if I'm not mistaken, the... African command, which would have had jurisdiction over that, the African command was told to stand down. And if I'm not mistaken, also the, the U.S. base it at Siganella in Sicily, they were told to stand down as well. This, the, the base at Sicily could have been there in minutes, and they were all told to stand down. It was, it was a straight-up murderous hit. Hillary Clinton, you know, eliminating the evidence, eliminating the eyewitness. I think it was in this book, but there were some special operators in Tripoli who literally stole a, um, a private jet to get over to Benghazi to assist in the uh, attempted recovery of things. Wow. And I don't know what happened to them after the fact. I don't think anything happened because otherwise that if you want to do something on the record, we have stories to tell. And they, they decided to let that go at that point. But yeah, there's there was all kinds of dirt going on there. Yeah. Man, oh, man.
Yep. So the 15 minute city and, you know, that's that's a direct attack upon specifically the United States and Canada, the North American, the North American model, because over in Europe, over in England, you know, all of these all of these uh, cities, towns, everything was built before the automobile. And so there are there there are compact city centers in which you can within a 15 minute radius of your door you can get most everything you need in the united states you you can't you can't do anything you can't i mean if if are we talking about on foot are we talking about in a car um if they're if you're talking about on foot i mean i remember when when um, when i still lived in the denver metro area I, the the grocery store the grocery store that in my mind i thought of and referred to as being across the street was i looked it up on a map and it was 1.2 miles away so your your boobus americanus having to walk 1.2 miles just to get to a grocery store i mean that's that's more than 15 minutes. Um, I don't. I don't know if the plan is. They they clearly want to um, eliminate automobiles, and eventually they want to completely eliminate automobiles for the servant class, for the plebs. Um, but in the meantime, they are clearly going to start doing um, tracking with these cars, and I think that's what the balloons are about too. They want to see who is driving where. They do not want you to have the liberty to be able to jump in your car and just take off and drive across, drive across the continent and go wherever you want. They want to completely shut all of that down and all the environmental crap and, and oh, fossil fuels and all this. That, that's not that. They don't, they don't give a flying flip about that. It's about population reduction and then, then the, the, tyrannical control of whoever's left that's what they want well in terms of tracking people that's already very much a reality and i'm not, I'm not just talking about with phones there's automated oh, license plate readers everywhere and in most cases it's not even uh, government run uh, a friend of mine is a prosecutor in a city nearby and he said that he, they can put out a warrant to a a not, it's not even a warrant they can put a request to track a license plate to, to some data broker system. And a lot of these uh, ALPR, automated license plate reader systems, they're private companies. So they say, I want to know where this license plate was during this time frame. Mm -hmm. And then if they have holes you need to fill in, then they can also come back with a warrant to city locations and whatnot if, they, if, if it looks like they need to narrow down to a certain area. But the, the amount of information that, that is out there in the hands of private companies that is available just for purchasing it for, for running a query it's an almost unbelievable and there's there's no protection against it right i mean honestly that scenario i just laid out a prosecutor wants to know where was such and such license plate during these two you know this start time this end time mm -hmm. that should require a warrant but if you're asking this of private companies who are willing to sell you the information for a, for a query fee there's yep. no protection there and they they don't have any obligation to let somebody know that it, that a query like that happened and the same thing happens um, uh, with with uh, things like Google or Yahoo or any of the big uh, tech companies. Some of them, I, th I want to say Google. If, you, if you're a target of a um, of, of a of a, a warrant, they'll let you know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's particularly Google. There was one particular company that used to. 
Uh, obviously, if it's an uh, NSL, they're never going to tell you national security letter. They're never going to tell you that. But the the amount of the amount of information that's out there to be queried, they don't need to stop you. They already know where you are, where you're going. It, it if you deviate from the 15 minute city plan. And by the way, I was I was reading this from Wikipedia while we were talking about it. The whole idea is it's a radius of 15 minute walk or bike walk, in, if yeah. you're in Holland. But um, the United States, if you said it was 15 minute drive. That would still cut you off from half of everything in your city in most cases. Oh, more than. Oh, way more than. You probably way would not be able to than. get to Mass. No, no, no way. When I lived in Denver, I mean, just from one suburb to, you know, two suburbs over to get to Mass, that was, how, how much time would I give myself? 40 or 45 minutes to drive, to drive that. And it was just it was just two suburbs over. It wasn't like I was going to the complete opposite end of the Denver metro area. I was still on the same side of town. You were doing like Aurora to Littleton, right? Uh, Lone Tree, Lone Tree to Littleton, yeah. Okay, and not quite as far, but still, that's twenty, thirty minutes. Uh, I would give myself forty, so that in case there was, in case there was some sort of traffic or something, that I'd have plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think there was one time because there was also a mass in Colorado Springs. And I think I figured out that I could, it was only eight more minutes for me to drive all the way down to Colorado Springs than for me to just drive from Lone Tree to Littleton, which is astounding if you look at a map. And it was because, you know, on the on I-25, I could go, 90 miles an hour, you know, whereas driving through town, you're, you're creeping and crawling. I was just going to um, say, it's the beauty of the freeway. Yep. Yep. Indeed. And it was a beautiful drive to drive down to Colorado Springs, especially on Sunday mornings. It would almost always be clear. You have the beautiful view of Pikes Peak. It was really a pleasure to do. So, yeah, but it was only like eight minutes, eight more minutes in time <laughs> to do that, which is crazy. Well, the only thing else I had on the notes was to um, the correction on Kermit the Hermit. Do you want me to do that now? Oh, yeah. He was in he was in the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate for, what was it, five years? Yeah, so I got feedback from somebody who said, look, uh, great podcast, and, and you guys do a lot of great work, but I don't want you to get uh, discredited for, say, for, for saying some things that are easily disprovable. So I think Ann had said that he was kicked out as a novitiate. So the... the the salient facts are he wasn't booted as a novitiate. He was with the FFI for five years, and he was actually eligible to make final vows. So he wasn't kicked out. He had petitioned the Superior General to reform the order. It's like, you guys aren't doing things right. I want to reform the order, and if you don't give me permission, I'm going to leave the order. And Father General's like, okay, <laughs> permission denied. So he left. Please, please leave goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Um, and pretty no, promise, promise you'll really leave, promise. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. No, he w- but it's it, he was screaming and yelling at the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate, as he does at everybody, that you're not really Catholic, you're not, you're not strict observance enough. And it's so ironic, because all the guy does is screw around on the internet all day. I mean, you can you can clearly tell looking at his at his social media. All he does is screw around on the internet all day. I'm, it's not like he's chanting the the full divine office or anything. There's no way. It means he's just constantly running from one hustle to the next. 
speaking of which i i told the story on the last podcast about how he sucked um i knew <laughs> i knew two people that he sucked into his fake university he's now back to pushing that again and so i go and i look at the i pull up the website and i look at the website and it's it's all still there and it's all completely fake he still has the a lot of the people that he fraudulently sucked into this thing and it didn't exist and you know who one of the people that he that he tricked thank thank god uh it didn't go it didn't go too far but and and his his name and his picture is still on kermit the hermit the fake franciscan friars fake university website our own dear beloved friend dr matza what he, yeah absolutely and i i messaged dr matza i said oh my gosh you know do you know that your your name in your picture is is still on this website and he's like yeah there's it, there's nothing i can do and and dr matza confirmed the same thing he thought that he had gotten some sort of a teaching gig and then it turned out that there was absolutely nothing nothing no students, no money. And Kermit the Hermit then turned around and started screaming and yelling at Dr. Matza and, and one other chap who was, um, who was sucked into this thing about the same time and was screaming and yelling at them and telling them to do fundraising. You have to do fundraising. You have to get the money in. And you're like, you gotta be kidding me. And it says right there on the website of this fake university that all the funds get go straight to the, um, the LLC, which is run, which the three members of the LLC are Kermit the Hermit and his two brothers, his two siblings. <laughs> so you're just like, it, it, there, it doesn't even have, it doesn't have a bank account. It doesn't have anything. It just goes directly into, into their pockets. It's just unbelievable. So yeah, even, even our beloved Dr. Matza got, got sucked into it. But I mean, this was years ago. This was in, I think the date on all that was 2016. So, and I mean, there should be like a support group in Rome for people that this guy has hustled and tricked. It's just, it's unbelievable, but fair enough. He lasted five years with the FFI before the ways parted. Yes. It reminds me of the joke at the end of car talk. If you ever listen to that, that show on, on NPR, you'd make reference to their, their law firm, Dewey Cheatham and how. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So but anyway, the, the main feedback from, from this person was that pretty much everything else we said was accurate. The main concern is you don't want somebody in a dark corner in a, in a, in a booth in, in a bar in Ferndale to come see you because you had something factually inaccurate in your podcast. Well, I have $300 in my bank account. So, you know, if anybody in, in Ferndale or, or <laughs> wherever, wherever Kermit the Hermit's cave is these days, if anybody wants to sue me, they can, they can lawyer up and have at it. And, uh, I don't know. I might be able to dig through my junk drawer and see if I could find like a $5 gift certificate to Starbucks that I refuse to use or something. I'd send them that too, but you know, that's about it. And no, Super Nerd has is not teaching computer science at Kermit the Hermit University. No, no, you are you're you're not the computer, you're not the IT department, no. <laughs> well, is that about it for the night tonight then? I think so. Shall we wrap her up? Alrighty. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, other good news items, 
I was going to make a mention if you had any ideas of, of other pure blood donation um, facilities, maybe maybe send a note to podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors. There's at least one mass, traditional Latin mass, set every single day for all the benefactors, plus one traditional Catholic Latin requiem mass for everybody who died the previous week. Please pray for the priests. <laughs> it's we, we're, we're hearing rumblings of... of Traditionalis Custodias Part 2 coming out soon, and it's going to get messy, it's going to get bloody, it's going to get strange, it's going to be weird. Pray for the priests. They're they're already in the meat grinder. They know it more than we do. We're going we're gonna to be clued into it more as, as time goes on. Please pray for them. And pray to uh, everybody in the communion of saints, including our, our own patron here with the podcast, St. Tiny Princess. Uh, the power of prayer is is incredible, and and not to be, not to be diminished. It, it you know pray pray to the holy holy souls in purgatory, they can't help themselves, but they can help us. So definitely pray, and they can help the priests as well. So so pray to them. Their their intercession is quite powerful. Amen. The Barnhart Podcast is a value for value podcast. If you got some value out of this, whether it's entertainment, education, or anything else, just general ideas, uh, maybe or maybe your reason to smile and be optimistic. Uh, and we'd like to consider returning some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com where you can learn more about that. And I, I will, I'll mention that, okay, I do want to mention also Stephen via the mailbox did send in a donation, and that's the only donation since the last podcast, but, you know, relatively speaking, our last podcast was pretty recent. Indeed. I do want to mention, though, this whole idea of saying value for value. This is a, a concept I picked up from listening to No Agenda, and Adam Curry was recently on the Joe Rogan show, and he mentioned... I wouldn't say conversion, but more awakening, becoming more, um, I, he, he's always been somewhat nebulous when it comes to spirituality and religion, uh, more non-religious than anything else. But he definitely is, he, he said some things that kind of surprised me. He's like, he says, definitely, yes, there's a God and Jesus is the son of God. And I was like, I didn't realize wow, he'd come that that's far. That's a huge step. Yeah. Um, so I, I emailed him and said, uh, is it is it okay if I pray on your behalf and recruit others to do so? This is called prayers of agency, and this is something if you if you have somebody in your in your life or in your family who who you want um, to pray for and have it be more powerful. The idea of prayers of agency when that person gives you permission to pray for them on their behalf, it the prayers are are received as though they had prayed them themselves. Obviously, there's some you know spiritual qualifications. God knows the exact details on this. But I asked I asked Adam Curry, can I pray for you on your behalf and extend this offer to anybody else willing to pray for you as well? And he said, yes, absolutely. I also emailed John C. Dvorak and asked him the same thing. So the two co-hosts and no agenda, green light on both. So I'm calling wow. it the I'm calling it the prayer agenda. Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> so pray, pray for them. Uh, if you're listening to, I mean, the very fact that you're listening to this as a podcast is because Adam Curry co-invented the whole idea of podcasting. And uh, I think he met John C. Dvorak as part of a company that he put together to try to monetize podcasting way back in 2005 and came to the conclusion very quickly, this really can't be done. But, you know, what they did figure out through No Agenda is that if you put this out into the world as a value for value kind of thing, that works. And so mm-hmm. that's why we yeah. don't have, have have any advertising on this on this podcast. Is simply say if you got some value out of this, consider sending some back, and um, consider adding prayers for Adam and John as well as part of that value for value. 
because um, without them uh, inventing podcasting and 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 inve- inventing um, the No Agenda podcast, I probably wouldn't have been motivated to do something similar and help you out when you said, um, "Hey, people have been talking about doing a podcast." So. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. It's also, <laughs> speaking as a child of the 80s, it is categorically bizarre to sit here and contemplate the fact that the guy that I was watching on MTV in 1987-1988 is now here we are praying for him to to convert and, and or revert. I think, aren't they, aren't they um, ethnically Dutch Catholics? Isn't he baptized? I don't think they're Catholics, uh, and I'm not specifically phrasing this in terms of, of conversion. I mean, obviously, yes, we want them in heaven. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm praying that God's will will be done in their life. I, I don't, I, I don't presume I'm to know. I'm going all in. I want, I want Adam Curry in the front row of, you know, of trad mass, you know, I mean, the, the whole nine. I, in fact, I, I wouldn't mind having seeing Adam Curry serving the trad mass. So. <laughs> Go big or go home. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, there was a comment on the last podcast, actually, the the last No Agenda podcast. Uh, they were talking about the the FBI infiltration of radical traditional Catholics. And um, Adam was, was talking about this. And he said, this is a group that is marked by their rejection of Vatican II. And Dvorak said, that would be me if I wasn't a lapsed Catholic. Yeah, it's like oh, oh. yeah, it was Dvorak, Dvorak who said he's that. He's a Catholic. Yes. Okay. He okay. was a baptized Catholic. Wow. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that wouldn't that be sweet? The two of them, you know, serving serving the mass together like that. That would be. I can just see them now in the in the in the cassock and surplus. It would just oh, that would be lovely. Okay. All right. Now my question right. is, who's the priest? We, we we have to we have to convert a, a proper priest for that. And, and what, I, I'm, what I mean by proper, I mean, okay, I said that wrong. You know what? I don't really care who the priest is. Let's let's just make that. No, I don't happen. care either. I will take as <laughs> I don't care as long as it is a valid and hopefully beautifully licit mass. Yeah, I'll be I'll be absolutely delighted. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's my little uh, initiative there, the prayer agenda. I meant to make a blog post about that. Um, in fact, I wanted it to go out tomorrow um saint valentine's day but we'll do that some other time uh, i'll come okay. now that i think about it that seems kind of weird to pick that day for it but it just seemed to be that's what was going to line up on my calendar so yep okay i've yammered long enough you can do the matthew seventeen twenty now all right we're still praying folks matthew seventeen twenty intention which i still have to think about as i go through it now that it's changed that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified that um, Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope from April 2005 until his death on the morning of December 31st, 2022 and for the Petrine Sea in and of itself that it be validly filled and and god will be done there that bergoglio repent revert to catholicism die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision and for the repose of the soul of pope benedict ratzinger nothing less will do our lady of copacabana pray for us amen it looks like we're about an hour and seven minutes no no it's longer than that coming up on 107 minutes that's an hour 47 
There you go. Yeah, uh, Nurse Claire. Uh, well, is that 12 miles? Can, can you can you row oh all that my. time? <laughs> I, I can, no. No? Okay. <laughs> Nurse Claire needs to get back in shape. I'll, I'll get back to you. <laughs> Give me okay. a couple of weeks. All right. All right. Deal. Okay. Well, until that time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. Well, that is very good information.